0: where did you used to smoke i used to smoke in the shower i was a okay. cigarette smoker for 15 years as you know two packs a day and i was just wait two two packs of day yes
1: i didn't realize it was two.
0: Oh yeah consistently two
1: yeah. i lived with this dude when he quit smoking and i think the co- he got a phone book <laughs> 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 and started tearing out uh page by page like each page and I think uh, my comment was wow you can cut the crazy in here with a knife I didn't realize
0: it was two packs a day yeah well now you understand the crazy and it wasn't a phone book it was old receipts I don't know what to do with old receipts like it was a phone book you did no, a phone book there was no phone book involved there's no reason to tear up a phone book I still do this to this day that's why I know there's no phone book okay granted I have a lot less receipts. What do you do with old receipts? You you can't keep them. They're just taking up space. There's nothing on the paper anymore. They're really faded. You're supposed to keep them for a while because somebody said that once. You can't piss on them. You can't set them on fire.
1: I just want to say it was a phone book because I have receipts. You are listening to the Jaunty Mantis, a podcast about creative questions for curious gamers. I'm your co-host Jesse, and with me as always is... Your co-host Maddie. Together we have become one. And I'll form the
0: head. Oh man, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, you got better cheekbones. It'll work. thank you.
0: Yeah, but you got a bigger brain. Aw, thanks
1: man. We're back to loving on each other. This is great, great uh, <laughs> internet radio. For sure. I love this man.
0: That's what this podcast is all about. It's an internet love affair between two best buds.
1: I love you, Spartacus.
0: I love you, Spartacus.
1: So our creative question today is... Mm-hmm, I got it. War. What is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. No. Uh, magic. What do you want out of magic in a role-playing system? And uh, so, yeah, I'll throw that to you.
0: Yeah, I I love this topic for two reasons. The first reason is this is weighing heavily on my put them on the railroads game. And no, it doesn't take place in the uh, olden times when they were first putting down the railroads. It's I don't want to do I've never done a, a, a game that wasn't intended to be a sandbox game. And I want to put the player's on a direct system where they are put from point a to point b to c d and so on and so forth and i've been trying to come up with a setting that i think would would um be advantageous to this system so i've been wondering what kind of magic should go into it in order to facilitate that and then the other reason why i really want to do this episode is because of the one we just record recorded right before this which was um could we use a scarcity die system for magic so real quick jesse recap scarcity dies and magic
1: sure um the scarcity die is a mechanic that i first read about in the black hack which is an osr uh and retro clone sort of game but it uses a die called a scarcity die to keep track of ammunition and torches and all that other stuff that you used to have to do detailed notes how many arrows do I have left in my quiver? The way it works is say for your torch, you stocked up on torches when you're in town, your scarcity dice is a d8. You've been exploring the dungeon for an hour, roll your scarcity dice. Or maybe it's you've been exploring for 10 minutes, roll your scarcity dice. If it comes up as a two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight, Everything's fine. Keep going. If it comes up as one, you've used up some of your torches and you step the scarcity die down to a D6. Mm -hmm. Repeat. You roll a one, step down to D4. Repeat. You roll a one, you're out.
0: Mm -hmm. And the reason why I wanted you to repeat that is because I think one of the ways that we answer this question of what do you want out of a magic system for your role playing game is what do you want magic to do? how powerful is it and how much of it do you want to be used to destroy your game, right? Because essentially that's what magic's role is in a role-playing game. Um, there, The dungeon is dark. I can help you see. I can make light or I can make you see in the dark. Um, there's a big wall in our way. Now you can fly or jump or walk through it. There's a bunch of uh, bad dudes in our in our path and uh, we need to take them all down really quickly. We'll throw a fireball at them before the rest of us run into battle or burn them to a crisp. So like when I think of what I want out of a magic system, I want something that will help facilitate player creativity without making me regret giving it to the players. And that is essentially what I've been struggling with. And the reason why I had you bring up all that about the scarcity die is because I have been essentially Interviewing or auditioning various magic systems from different games over the last couple of months to test whether or not, you know, they should be in this rail, you know, put them on the rails game that I've been thinking about. Like, is a daily magic system? Is are we done with that? Is can we evolve past that? What other kind of systems are there? And what do we need out of it? Like, what do you want out of a magic system, Jesse?
1: Uh I don't know like spells and shit thank you we've been the jaunty mantis <laughs> good <night>. all right
0: <laughs> um no i think get out there and play some role-playing get... oh oh yeah
1: yeah no i was that was a joke about oh the... sorry yeah yeah. it's a creative curious question for creative game i don't know um whatever okay i think it depends <laughs> look hey jesse answered a question he says it depends on what you're trying to do mm-hmm. um this is why i'm fundamentally bad at like modern life is i'm just like well let's take a measured thought about that
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: it also makes great radio or mm-hmm. internet right yeah i don't know i think i made that joke already tonight. so here we go it depends on where the sliders set <clears throat> is magic utilitarian every day mm-hmm. which to me is not really necessarily magic but i love We've talked at length about Eberron and yes. the, the, how magic works in that. Um, there's a book my friend Louisa picked up. I know you're listening, Louisa. Shout out to you. Called, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, Magical Industrial Revolution.
0: <laughs> oh, cool!
1: And it's an OSR book, and it's beautifully illustrated. It's one of those really cool like books. It makes a great art book, even if you never use it. And it's got OSR statistics, but it's like nice. got old. Like edited, like woodcut lithographs from the Victorian era, but showing like all the factory stuff, like with magic wow. working. Or is magic like something rare? Like you're the wizard in your party is not just a wizard, he is the wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you're gonna have magic be magic, mm-hmm. I want it at that end of the extreme.
0: You want it. Now, okay, so what you're describing to me, you've described three kinds of magic. You've described high magic, you've described wide magic in the case of Eberron, and then low magic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So for the audience, Eberron, a lot of people think it's high magic because yes, there are airships and there is a lightning rail and you can get like, a. a, um, there are artificers in the world and magic is industry so people think that's high magic but the thing is about eberron is it's more wide magic so the level or power of the people who use magic every day is actually very limited so there's a wide scope or scale instead of like limitless power and that's really the big difference right
1: okay so high magic then would be like there are a few incredibly potent spellcasters out there in the world Yeah, I think so. Who like could basically rewrite reality with a spell, but that's not.
0: Right. And then as far as the PCs are concerned, the player characters in an Eberron wide magic game, you may have that guy who knows how to use a wand, but he only knows how to use it for really that a few things, right? Like just some basic things. In a high magic setting, it's like that player character who is the sorcerer or wizard has the potential to get to a god level. And then the adventures at that higher end of play involve these magnificent events surrounded by great magic. And then what is, you know, what do we describe as low magic? Like Gandalf with his fucking pine cones and shit?
1: Yeah. It's not super common, so weird little first level spells from old editions of D anD D are actually useful.
0: Mm-hmm. Like this what?
1: is a thing. I was just aside on this: light is now a cantrip, mm-hmm. which makes dungeon crawls sort of not scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but floating disk is still a first level spell, right? So the thing that helps you uh, deal with the encumbrance rules that almost no one uses is harder to cast than the thing that makes you deal with the very real threat of being ambushed yeah. in the dark by subterranean creatures those things should that be seems switched. a weird design choice
0: to me yeah for sure those things should be switched
1: if what you... uh what systems did you uh try out in, in
0: well your big quest? big surprise to everybody i looked at a bunch of d20 systems based around third edition dungeons and dragons because that's kind of my 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 jam right like uh that's where um i have done the most amount of my gaming that's my preferred version of dungeons and dragons and yes i am trying to break away from dungeons and dragons but that's the first place i look because that's what i was familiar with so there's the um there's the daily casting system there's a spell point system so you get a certain number of magic points when you cast a spell you determine you know, uh, what level it is and what kind of effects you want to add on to it. And then that costs a certain amount of points. And then those points get refreshed every day. There's a skill-based magic system, which you have to hit this target number. Every time you succeed, the target number goes up a little bit higher. Um, I think in some versions, if you fail, it comes down. Um, Then there's the recharge magic system, which is you can cast the spell and then you roll like a 1d6 plus one. And that's the number of rounds you have to wait before you can use the same level of magic. You know, so it's it's more of just like, I would put that in a high magic category because it, it ramps everything up. Like the party can heal itself up to full and like without, you know, uh, without even really thinking about it. And, you know, various spells, you know, you're only limited by that recharge mechanic. You know but what i ultimately ended up landing on is the system that i th- I, I i have to do a test i want to do like a one shot with our group because i really want to th- use the cypher system as um as as the system for this ray on the rails game and there's this great part of the um what is essentially the game master section of the Cypher system, where they're just basically talking directly to you. And they're saying like, hey, I know it's going to seem like this game is about character advancement in the tiers and the different focuses, the foci and those abilities. But the real beauty of the Cypher system are the Cyphers themselves. And that's really where this system shines. And give them lots
1: of them give the players lots of the ciphers yeah it's so weird
0: so what so you've played this system before correct i i haven't i'm just reading the cipher system book which i just bought and have just been like just like consuming like crazy what are ciphers and how do they work
1: so ciphers are like little like one use magic items Mm -hmm. basically uh that they're just in all the cypher system games they're just all over the place and you should be finding them all the time and using them and in fact i think uh i don't know if this persisted into second edition but in first edition numenera like you had a limit to how many you could hold before the radioactive ancient like technology of them started like killing you so like Mm -hmm. just use it um Mm -hmm. So it's a random magic system. I know in Numenera there was, I'm trying to remember, there was a class, the nano, that's basically like the wizard who yeah. can has figured out how to control the like swarms of nano machines that just drift on the wind to create spell effects, but I forget how that actually worked as a magic system because it's been a minute.
0: Well, in the cipher system, because I, I, I am not reading Numenera, I am just reading the cipher system role-playing game book, and um they have the base classes, which are basically Warrior, Explorer, speaker, and adept. And the the adept is basically the caster. And they everybody has tiered abilities. So for your warrior, that first tier, um, those first tier abilities are around attacks or having, you know extra resources or whatever the case may be. And then um, for that adept, It's what we would consider spells. Um, They are game altering effects that like, for instance, like I described earlier, we need to get past that door. We need to open that chest. We need to fly up to the tower. It's that kind of stuff, right? The cool thing is, is that once you get all of those stuff, all of that stuff decided, then you pick your focus and your focus then there are magic-oriented foci. Like, there's one where you create a duplicate of yourself. There's one where you summon swarms of insects or speak to the dead or, you know, there's a necrom- I'm a charming
1: adept who consorts with the dead.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's, so there's kind of this hand-wavy thing about it, about like, yes, this is a magic spell, even though the rules are basically the same as- you know, um, a superhero style character, you know, in the cipher system, they're like, here's a focus and it's called like bears, a halo of flame or whatever. And they're like, this is your superhero with fire powers, or it's your fire mage, or it's your, you know, whatever. So there's like multiple ways you can use it depending on what your campaign setting is, because you can, you can tailor the different, they call them types, but they're, that they're the versions of the the classes, right? So you could make like a warrior with magic flavor, and then that character could take the bear's a halo of flame or fire, whatever it's called, which would be like a combat-oriented character that's got fire powers, right? Or you could take that adept, you know, and they take that and then they're the fire mage, right? So it's the the mystique of it or the theme of it is 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 hand wavy as according to the, the setting. And to kind of bring this back to me and what I want to do with this game and why I'm using the Cypher system. So I'm taking all of that out. I'm taking the focuses, the foci, sorry, that are using spell-like powers, I'm taking those out. And I'm taking out the um, spells of that come with the Adept, and then I'm focusing the Adept on things that use or alter ciphers. So the, uh, the adept gets three ciphers. The rest of the classes get two. These are the maximum number ones you can hold. And so what I thought would be cool is if it was a low magic world where the player characters are used to being normal, mundane people. There's not the barbarian who can rage and tear open metal doors. You know what I mean? There's, there's not a sorcerer. There's not a scion you know, there's not, um, there isn't a druid, there isn't a ranger that has a wolf companion, you use very normal, mundane kinds of characters. And then the ciphers are this persistent, chaotic, mysterious, crazy magic system that they constantly come into contact with and it's all random. So when they, you know, discover ciphers, who knows what they're going to get. And I thought it'd be cool to have one character who is... I think i was calling him the seeker and he he those characters are studying ciphers and it's changing them subtly as they attempt to change the ciphers themselves so Mm. there's there's not going to be they don't cast fireball but they could find a cipher that had destructive capability and then they could augment it using the rules in ways that the other characters they just get ciphers they get what they get you know so that's what I would decided for that magic system. That's
1: interesting. Try to think of other magic systems I've enjoyed. On the the daily spellcasting, you know the term they call it?
0: Vancian or something? Yeah, like
1: vansian that?
0: magic. What is that from?
1: Well, it's so funny because I only recently learned, but I've been saying Vancian <laughs> magic for years. Uh, it's after Jack Vance. It's from The Dying Earth. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, the magic and dying earth, the wizards there, like write the formula in their brains and then the effort of casting it removes it and so they would have to study it again so like d d if you ever seen the old appendix in from like first edition of what books inspired uh gary gygax and dave arneson and all those guys to when they were making it it's like it was not the lord of the rings it was not mm-hmm. the hobbit it was like dying earth and conan and like that kind of stuff so well,
0: what would it what would it be if it if they had gone off of lord of the rings because there wouldn't
1: really be a magic system
0: <laughs> well there are some times where he does gandalf does some things
1: yeah Is, gandalf a, well right and like you, the lords of elvendom but like mm-hmm.
0: yeah but there are correct me if i'm wrong aren't there middle earth style role-playing games can't you play a wizard or a magical elf in those
1: uh there i don't think there is a there's not a I'm going to get myself in trouble the one ring rpg which is
0: amazing i don't think there's a wizard is there anything that uses magic whatsoever not really okay interesting so like, okay magic
1: is a plot device in lord of the rings mm-hmm. like it's a, it's performed through craft or through like special like places and locations um I liked so, I liked Shadowrun's magic system.
0: Okay, so do I. Explain.
1: So Shadowrun basically, you have a power. There's a risk reward element to every spell you cast. Um, and so like the other interesting thing too is the whole thing about cyberware, uh, getting rid of your magic potential as you rewrite the pattern of your body with these metallic parts. It's not as tapped into the. Magical realm as it used to be Um, But yeah, you pick the power level of your spell and then you roll for your effect that if your effect goes off You have to resist the drain of the spell which uh, Depending scales up based on the power you picked when you threw the spell Mm -hmm. So if you go for a real high powerful spell the drain might actually like knock you out or like cook your brain like if Mm -hmm. you throw a spell big enough um so i always thought that was interesting in shadow run too
0: i loved that i love the the shadow run magic system if i'm remembering correctly it's a magic system where you go in with good intentions you're like ah oh, we're under attack they got submachine guns i'm playing a magic user i need to stop that guy and you throw like a mind blast or something at them
1: mind and- bolt i think
0: and yeah, and, and you're like, well, I better make it powerful, right? Because like you roll sixes, you could get all ones, right? You could like, that could be bad. I think you get all sixes. And Jesse's like, yeah, his brain, his his head pops like a balloon. And you're just like, Ugh, well, I guess we're not going to get any information out of that. Guy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now roll to resist the drain.
0: What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Like, yeah. Anyway. You know we both love shadow run what's another magic system that comes to mind
1: um the other other end of the slider um uh the exalted system it's it's not called magic it's called sorcery um and it's changed a little over the editions but one of the like the whole thing they make with sorcery is just like like learning the first tier of sorcery is a quest like is a mini campaign in itself like getting initiated into sorcery is not something you just like go to school for Mm you like you have to like there's elements of sacrifice and you have to give up part of yourself and like blah blah blah. it's like very very high drama magic and then once you get it hey it's starting out you might only know one or two spells Mm -hmm. um but that spell can turn an area the size of a football field <laughs> into like butterflies made of obsidian streaming past or like transmute your skin to bronze. So you walk laughing through a rain of arrows or, you know, then you get initiated in the next sphere of sorcery and you summon the magma kraken. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, an incomparable body arsenal is the name of a spell in that uh and they've added a new thing called sorcerous workings, where you can use sorcery over long periods of time to literally change the land, create life. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really cool. But the cost is, the resource you spend, is really high to do any of to do any of those spell effects, and it's
0: not typically fast. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, and then, for
1: the last one, I'm just going to throw in because I've been rereading it, Riffs. <laughs> Tell us about it. so riffs is a spendable mechanic. It is not fancy and you still know your spells, but they are powered by a resource you have called PPE or potential psychic <laughs> energy as first identified by the fictional character Victor Laszlo in the Beyond the Supernatural role-playing game um. And one of the things that i've just realized now because like my first read through of riffs i was like what was that 91 i was like 11. (laughs) Mm. like um what i'm realizing now is like there are spells like in that book cool spells that you will never have enough ppe to cast (laughs) so then the (laughs) obvious question is well how do i get enough ppe to cast them and the answer because there's a table in there is mm-hmm. human sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> like how many PPE does a badger produce if I kill it ritually for magic oh six how about a human <laughs> what about a supernatural what if I sacrifice a demon Was it oh that's a lot of PPE guys mm-hmm. we're gonna need to capture a demon so I can close this rift why we're gonna sacrifice it
0: okay yeah I I love riffs. I also came into contact with that when I was a ver- at a very young age. And what I what I didn't realize then that I realize now is that riffs that system is the role playing game equivalent of putting stereo a stereo system in your car that you could turn so loud it would break. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I was, I was going to say it's metal as fuck, but I think that <laughs> metaphor is actually better. Yeah. The bad guys walk around in robots with spider legs that look like a giant skull. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do like a whole episode on palladium and riffs for yes. sure. It's uh,
1: a thing of wondrous beauty.
0: hmm. You know, going back to what do you want out of a magic system being, you know, our question, I remember something you said earlier in this conversation about, I think it was in regards to Middle Earth where magic is a story mechanic. And I think that ideally, and maybe the listeners can help us out with this, or maybe you know of a game system, but I would love to have the magic character be using a subtle form of magic that changes the way the game works not just in a story capacity like for instance there are games out there i think fate is one of them like fate uses a system where because of the aspects in fate correct me if i'm wrong you can change the way the game is going right so if you're running a game and there's mobsters and they're having a conversation in the back room and you know the the GM says, "Okay, they close the door and you guys are still in the bar. What are you going to do to get into that room?" And then a player can be like, "Oh, well, I'm going to use this aspect." And what that means is earlier in the day, you know, I was i I introduced myself to one of the you know the barbacks or one of the waiters or whatever at this club. oh, that's blades in the dark, oh, right. That's what it is. It's blades yeah. in the dark. It's Stress. not fate. That's what it is. My apologies to both my my apologies to both blades in the dark and fate. although I think fate does have a system that works very similar to that. I mean, but... you
1: can I think you can do a role to just like create an aspect on a scene um, mm-hmm. And whether you do that through magic or like kicking over a lantern to make the aspect on fire, like both are equally valid,
0: yeah. So to use that blades in the dark example. Like I, I would like a a character class that alters the game like that, and I think in its most oh, base, like they're the
1: only one that can do that. They're the
0: only one that can do it, <laughs> and there's there's a limitation to it, right? You know
1: the perfect system I think that already does that.
0: Is it Blades in the Dark?
1: It's Rifts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, explain
1: the temporal wizard. There's a uh, temporal occupational wizard? character class or OCC
0: okay because uh, there's also in- a librarian
1: yeah the rogue scholar yeah yeah dude they get a video disc player with like i think like 640 megabytes of memory
0: wow that's a lot it's a that lot much wow yeah. interesting so much all right well then this this makes that riffs episode even even more enticing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm I'm
1: kidding. I don't I don't actually think riffs could. I don't think the oh, temporal okay. wizard can go back in time. Um, but a game. Uh, I think the reason riffs would be an actual okay fit for that is because a game that just like looks at you like you've got a fish on your head when you say the word balance would be mm-hmm. the game system to do that in. Like, what can you guys do? Well, I can swing a sword real well. How about you? I can change time. Hmm.
0: Yeah, in subtle ways. I think in, in the sense of like in the lower levels, it would be a lot easier to do in higher levels, obviously. But in the lower levels, you could make it as simple as like anytime the GM rolls a die against me or one of the other party members, I can roll an opposition die that then minuses or cancels out that effect, right? Like not every single time, but in a limited capacity, and that's how they're changing reality.
1: You know, I mean, it's it's not magic, but I mean, 2D20 system does that. Modiphius, like the way that the spenders, like threat and momentum work, mm-hmm. like creating uh, creating a trait in a scene is a role, um, mitigating things, and you have to make it work narratively in the fiction, but I think magic gives you a lot more narrative options
0: Um, okay gotcha so i think i don't know if this game is possible to do which is why i'm going to the cypher system like i want magic to be unpredictable mysterious you get what you get it it adds a creative dynamic element while i have them on the rails to distract them from being on the rails yeah so but what is your ideal magic system then? Like if you could have it in in your game tomorrow, what, like, what do you want out of it? Do you want high magic, low magic, wide magic? What do you think?
1: I want, as a DM, I want magic to make the player feel special. Okay. But I don't want it to be a get out of jail free card for everything.
0: Which it often is certain situations
1: i mean one thing i'll say for fancy and magic is as a limited resource it works yeah you got a couple but like the longer the longer arc because that fighter who's not burning through all his resources like let's keep going let's keep
0: pushing and you're like i can't i got Mm -hmm. nothing i throw a dart yeah but aren't you really sick of the like oh well we have to stop and sleep in the dungeon and you're like okay great now is the game master because you idiots decided to sleep in the middle of the dungeon i have to have a party full of kobolds roll up on you because they're nocturnal they live underground so have to
1: or get to
0: get to yes but you you know what i mean like i i i don't particularly take pleasure in killing the player characters you know and that's what it really comes down to is you have players who are gaming the system essentially does that bother you when players game the system with because of magic because that's usually well, you know i'm infamous
1: around. for doing that but i also come prepared because of my old school training like i i'm like i always have like an iron spike and a hammer and if we <laughs> we're in a dungeon we need to rest like we spike that door
0: yeah but that's not going to work in my game though if that matters to me like I will find a way to put something in that room you don't have enough spikes I may not be able to budge that door open but I'm there's like a deadly spider coming in through a crack in the ceiling or something like i i i I, I don't think that's a game i want to play in (laughs) well
1: you know i don't think you're gonna do not The thing you are going to do does not work because i'm the dm
0: well (laughs) i gotta be honest with you i don't know if i really enjoy systems where the players can just fucking opt out of actually playing the game by resting and getting all their spells back like no you don't let them rest yeah that's what i'm saying but it doesn't mean you have to kill them i'm not gonna kill them with the spiders There's the middle ground. You just said it's a deadly spider. (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm going to kill him with it. Okay. People don't like spiders. Iron Spike's
1: not actually going to hold the determined foe out, but it gives you enough time to get up and ready. So you're not like,
0: I see what you're saying. Getting
1: your throat slit in your bedroll.
0: You could just make it that there's a lot of loud noises in the dungeon and nobody can sleep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's really the happy medium between what we're talking about. Yes. (laughs) Take a (laughs) level of
1: exhaustion because it's noisy. (laughs)
0: There's just somebody outside your door going. "Ah." (laughs) The bugbears are having band (laughs) practice. Sorry for, maybe I'll cut that part out. Sorry. Sorry if I did that. It blew everybody's ears out.
1: Wait, did you actually make a loud noise?
0: No, no. I I got second thoughts at the end there. Okay. Okay. I don't, I mean.
1: If if you did your microphone, cut it out. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think you can get away with a lot of not being, like, an adversarial GM, but just saying, like, okay, this dungeon is an active environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, things come and go, and you can try to rest here for the night.
0: hmm Yeah, or you could do what I was doing or at least planning on because I'm I don't I'm not interested in playing D&D for the foreseeable future but what I was doing back in you know the D&D times not too long ago was trying to figure out a system where I was like you know what go ahead and rest everything just got harder now mm. like there's a causality to players deciding to rest like go ahead and rest as many times as you want. Every time you do, it's gonna make my encounters harder or more of there's gonna be more of them. Like, yeah, the um
1: the party in my uh Temple of Elemental Evil game, which I should also mention, I'm using uh Into the Unknown, which is like a basically it's five E, but hacked to be a lot more like D and D basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no skills like accessibility checks and whatever. Um it has the exploration turn counting and torch tracking, and all that stuff uh the party caused a bit of a ruckus in the moat house and mm. then got down to the first level and there's definitely things there that know they were there saw them coming know where they came from and so when they return and possibly even while they rest in the inn at town because They don't all know who's in the town. There will be consequences. Not Mm. like I'm punishing them, but like interesting things. Be like, oh, wow, maybe there's a conspiracy here. Like it's going to drive challenge and adventure and play.
0: Gotcha. Could you ever let's let's do the latter half of this episode or the final part of this episode. What about running a fantasy game that doesn't have any magic in it? Like, like, it still like, has all the fantasy tropes. There's still monsters. There's just no magic. Like, do you have a fantasy setting if you don't have the Vancean-style magic system in it?
1: I think if you don't have magic, you don't necessarily have a fantasy setting. You have, mm-hmm. like, a... a sci- maybe... Sci- I, don't I don't know. Maybe that's too absolute. Um, I just feel like... There's monsters in the world and they're terrifying. <laughs> Is the but they don't do magic. They're just really dangerous predators. Is the experience of humanity for most of our existence on this planet? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not necessarily a fantasy. Mm-hmm. That might be historical role playing or weird history I don't I don't know. Um, but without I feel like without magic, it doesn't necessarily be fantasy. It's alternate history, maybe.
0: Interesting. So, in the One Ring role-playing game, how is how does how does the the magic incorporate? How is that incorporated in the game to keep it fantasy?
1: It's subtle. it It works on sites and places, like the shadow of mm. the enemy is ever present and creeps into your heart as like a magical effect, and like you have to be wary of the shadow and how it changes you. And
0: interesting. Um, so what if you had that effect in a game? What if that's what your spellcaster did in a game? Like magic was site based like the shadow, for instance, like you just described. So let's say in our campaign world, magic is this local phenomenon that can be manipulated by the spellcaster character depending mm-hmm. on their proximity to it or their connection to it.
1: I think that's a really cool idea. I don't know how you make it work in a D20-based system. Uh, to me, to me, that's a more narrative-based, you know, uh, Powered mm-hmm. by the Apocalypse or uh, Fortune in the Dark naturally would be the fit for that. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, I played, going back to the Blades in the Dark Go Fast, I played the Whisper, which is like the wizard. And I didn't really have a list of spells. I just had, like, this is sort of what magic can do. So I'm like, well, I'm going to try and use this stat to do this thing. And then, you know, person running the game is like, okay, limited effect, risky. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: okay, cool. Gotcha. All I right. I love that idea, though. Well, how would you do it?
1: I have to define scope for what the changes they can make. I mean, I think it's a naturally like it's a source of power that drives people to adventure sites. So cool, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like reason to go do the thing to adventure, you know, Um,
0: the way I envisioned it as well is that these sites can be created temporarily. Like so we were joking around about sacrifice for the Rift system. Well, that's how you could raise power in an area. A bunch of cultists have gotten together and started ritually sacrificing their fellow townspeople to try to build up enough power to do something so that one of them can try to manipulate it. And of course, it goes horribly wrong, right? So when the player characters show up, that magic sensitive character is like, oh shit, something's happening here and then as you as you start investigating it and you're like the the that magic character is like you idiots were doing what like roy was the one who was trying to summon the demon are you kidding me roy that guy you know apologies if we have a listener named roy um but do you see what i'm saying yeah it's like so in the hands of what you would consider just like a townsperson a town a, a member of the the community of this town who maybe they know a little bit of magic by accident if if that and they've bitten off way more than they can chew right so then as soon as that magic wielding character comes into the town they have this influx of power but also the scale of everything has risen for them the danger level how much of it they use attracts attention to them you know and and so we've already identified two different site-based magics that are existent in this setting you know you have the creeping shadow and you have the ability to you know do human sacrifice in order to you know i I don't know what the thematic reasoning is but you know it's a common enough feature in horror movies fantasy movies and whatnot so it works right then you could have sites of holy power you could have like like sites of nature like hidden groves and like an oasis in the middle of a desert. You could have objects that have been taken from sites of magic. Like let's say there's like a crystalline structure underground that has like magically charged like geodes in it. And when people remove them and take them, they're basically um the shelf life of that power is decaying gradually. So it's not an omnipresent source of power. It's just it's available at a certain level as you're getting it. And then the spell casting character can go into like a crystal shop or a, a, a shop that sells knickknacks and they're like picking up crystals and like this one still has a little bit of power in it. You know, I, I don't know, whatever.
1: Yeah, I thought too, like you could have those sites be like, you yeah, have a choice there. You can keep that site where you'll have a lot more power mm-hmm. and you'll need to protect it from other things that want the power too, that have definitely noticed that activity and power. Or you could mine it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's where spells come from, but you can't transfer spells between people. Mm -hmm. Like you can't teach someone else a spell. Like it's a spell. Is it like you figured out how to encode a a unique manifestation of the universe from this site? And it will always be lesser than the the power the site had, Mm -hmm. but it's portable.
0: Right. Portable. How though?
1: Like, like in your head.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like that. What if they had to, instead of it being in their head, what if they had to tattoo it onto their skin or carve it into their skin? Yeah. And then those had power.
1: We're back to (laughs) rifts.
0: Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Is there anything else we want to say about what we want out of a magic system?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things that, you know, you just, you probably come into the hobby, if you came in when I did with assumptions of what magic are and is, and it's another thing that you really want to think about the scope of your campaign, regardless of what the mechanics that you're using are. Mm -hmm. And that's probably something you want to tell your players, especially if they're considering playing a spellcaster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely games out there, I think... I'm having trouble remembering what it's called. Iron Heroes, I want to say. It's basically like a combat maneuvers game, but there is a spellcaster. And there's a huge disclaimer on that spellcaster. That's like, you should try one of the other classes first. This is just basically put in here if you do want to have a, a magic system in the game.
1: I'm really curious. It's been like 20 years since I looked at that book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too my copies in storage i think anyway you want to take us out yeah
1: uh if people want to contact us maddie where can they find us oh
0: gosh get <laughs> out of here we have an email address now can you believe it it's either jaunty at gmail.com or it's the jauntymantis. At gmail.com we don't know which one it is so just send it to both and you know we're bound to get at least one of them yeah yeah i should check the email <laughs> you should check the email really... we're also on this thing called x oh it hurts me uh that used to be called twitter i think and that's at the juwanti mantis so just take the jaunty mantis and and, and switch the A and the U, and you've got our X Twitter handle on that dumpster fire. If you are interested in threads, we're also on threads at John T. Mantis.
1: Wow, you remembered it.
0: Yeah. I it's confirmed like it
1: I is as at gmail.com.
0: All right. Don't send it to the John T. Mantis. Send it to send it to jaunty mantis quit while i was ahead
1: we have three promotions in our email inbox
0: that's awesome and we'll pass that promotion along to you our valuable listeners (laughs) (laughs) no but Uh, in all seriousness send us your creative questions because we are two curious gamers
1: yeah we like talking about this and we like uh, hopefully you listening to us and get out there and play some fucking games and shit yeah
0: get out there fucking play games and shit
1: Yes. yes bye